Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Good afternoon, and welcome to Focused on Forward. Our guest today is Jason Rogers, and Jason is going to talk to us about his journey through life, what he's had to deal with, and how he has not only dealt with such things, but also, and more importantly, how Jason has focused on moving forward, no matter what struggles and trials have been placed in front of him. So Jason, we're we're thankful to have you here today. Thank you for being a guest. And uh, we'll turn it over to you, and you can tell us your story. We are willing and excited to listen. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate it. The uh, opportunity to, to share and, and hopefully people um, can benefit um, in some way, shape or form. Um, <clears throat> I guess, you know, growing up, uh, you know, I was, you know, thought everything I was a you know, regular teenager, uh, or so I thought. Um, did all, you know, things that I thought everybody else did, um, and got married pretty young. I think I was 20. And, um, my wife, who is one of the most, uh, caring and empathetic, uh, individuals, um, that you'll ever meet after we had been married for a few years, she said, you, you know, I think you need to talk to a doctor. And I said, why? I'm not, nothing wrong with me. I'm not sick or anything else. And she said, well, maybe just talk to him about, you know, your feelings and how you feel sometimes. And I'm like, how I feel, you know, that's, that's nobody's business, but mine (laughs) is kind of how I felt about it. Um, But what I didn't realize is that she was recognizing a lot of things about me that I failed to see about myself. And I think that's the case for a lot of us is that we look in the mirror figuratively, literally, however, and and we see uh, who we want to see. And we don't necessarily see what everyone else does. And our reaction to that sometimes can be abrasive. We may feel like people are judging us or, you know, who are they to, to nitpick my personality or whatever else, but that's really probably not the case, uh, especially with people that care a lot about us. And so in the case of my wife, you know, who could care about me more? I thought, okay, I, I will listen to you and I'll, to appease you, I'll go talk to a, a a doctor about how I feel about things or how I view things. And so I I think I was probably maybe 
23, 24. And I went to our family doctor and she asked me, well, why are you here today? You know, like what, what do you need a doctor's appointment? And I said, well, I, I really don't need one. I'm just here because my wife wanted me to come because she thinks I need to talk to somebody about my feelings and how I, and what my outlook on things is and <clears throat> things like that. And she was a very good doctor because she just kind of stepped back for a moment and she said, I tell you what, she said, I'm going to give you a piece of paper with like 20 questions on it. I want you to read through these questions and just write down your response to some of these common scenarios that we encounter in everyday life. And so I did. <clears throat> and she comes back in and she sits down and she had been our family doctor since, well, she was my wife's doctor before we got married. And then once we got married, she became my doctor. So I had known her for several years. And she says, Jason, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. You're the craziest person I've ever met. <laughs> and That's a nice lead in from the doctor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the, I appreciated that so much because I am someone who, as I learned more about different issues I had, I just want people to shoot straight with me. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't, don't say that you know, this is going to be okay when something's really not going to be okay. If it's bad, it's bad. And just, and tell me how it is. And so <clears throat> she, I, I, I asked her, I said, why, why am I the craziest person you've ever met? And she said, well, listen to some of these answers you, you give here. And one of them was a common situation that, you know, what is a normal reaction to like, if someone was to like cut you off in traffic? Because that's something that happens to everybody every day or, or, or every week. You know, it happens. Right. A and, um, right. So she's like, you know, what do you think is an okay reaction to that? And one of the things that I wrote down in there was that it was okay to like beat this person. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, that, that's not acceptable behavior. And I tried to rationalize like why it would be okay. <laughs> um, to do that and she's like no 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 that's it's it's not okay to do things like that and that was just a small sample size and she she really sat down and, and then we we talked at length about some of the things that probably to my that my wife was observing that the doctor could see were problems for me for instance um i had always had a hard time holding on to a job because I was constantly having like either personality clashes with people or <clears throat> I would become so depressed about something. It might not even be work related that I would become physically ill so much to the point that throughout the first few years of my wife and I being married, I ended up in the hospital on numerous occasions because uh, they thought I was having a heart attack. But then they would check me, and I, I wasn't having a heart attack. And when I look back in life, that happened to me twice as a teenager. Uh, once while I was at work, 
and once while I was at school. And I was taken to a hospital because they thought I had a heart problem, but there was nothing wrong with my heart. It was that mentally, I would work myself up so badly that my mind was convinced there was something physically wrong with me. And when my doctor finally sat and talked to me about that and explained how all those things are so interconnected, our, our brain is an amazing thing, but it can also be our worst enemy if it's out of control or out of balance. And she helped me to understand that that's essentially what my problem was. She said, you know, you, you have a brain that is not functioning the way it's supposed to. And it's no different than someone who, say, has kidney disease and their kidneys don't function properly. They have to get dialysis. Or someone who is diabetic their body doesn't process sugar or insulin like it's supposed to. So they have to regulate it with either their diet or some form of medication because there's a chemical problem <clears throat> that their body doesn't have the ability to process on its own. And so it was nice to hear it that way because, I mean, this is, this is almost 20 years ago. And I'm grateful now to see how people um, talk more about mental illness and it's become, you know, people are becoming more aware of it. But 20 years ago, it was still like, you don't talk about that. Oh, no, there was quite a stigma you know? 20 years ago. Yeah. A taboo you, around the topic, around the, around the emotions that people would have about it. Right. Absolutely. Because it was like, oh, you're, you're mentally ill. Well, let's call the guys in the, with the white coats and put you in a straitjacket and put you in the loony bin. Um, and so when she first tells me that I have all these clinical signs of, of this and this and this, and it was like, it checked every box. And so while it was scary to have somebody tell you that you're mentally ill, like severely mentally ill, it's the reason that your relationships are askew. It's the reason that you don't function normally in a work environment. It's the reason that it has contributed to your physical well-being because it has, it has consumed you so much at times that it has wrecked your physical well-being. So while it's scary to be told that, at the same token, it was kind of a relief because at least now I knew that this was the reason behind a lot of these things. And she gave me two options to, to deal with it. And <clears throat> that's the other reason I really appreciated what she did because she's like, there are some people who will say, what medication do I take? What drug do I take? Prescribe this, 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 and this. I just want to swallow this many pills and I want everything to go away. And she's like, now to some extent, you can do that. She's like, but that kind of takes away the person that you are. And she really helped me to see that she's like this, it's part of who you are and you shouldn't be ashamed of it. 
and you shouldn't have to hide it. Um, you just got to get it under control. And so the other option was, I can get you started on something that maybe takes away the extremes of this because you don't want the extremes. You don't want to be to the point that you're ready to take your own life because that it gets to that point. But you also don't want to be to the point where you think you're Superman and you do things again, example of like things I used to do, man, it's midnight. I'm wide awake. You know, what would be really cool to like drive halfway across the country. I did that when I was 18 years old. It's midnight, middle of the night. I'm bored, nothing to do. Let's get in the car and drive to Virginia beach. And I did. <laughs> because you could, but that's because I could, but it's not rational. Right. You know, where are you? Don't you have a job to go to? Don't you have this? Don't you have that? You know, and now my wife is coming to me saying, you know, you're not only married, you have a child, you have responsibilities. And I'm not trying to say these things to you to like get down on you, but you can't function that way and still be here for the people you need to be here for. And so it helped me to, you know, really see that, wow, there's nothing wrong. There may be something wrong with me, but it doesn't make me a bad person. I just have to learn how to live with it. And, and from that point on, I kind of embraced it. It was like, you know what? I'm crazy. And that's cool. I'm okay with that. <laughs> and that's, that's what makes me, me. I just can't let the crazy be the one who calls the shots. I still have to be the one that right. You got to call us. Right. So let me ask so, you this. So when you, when you were talking with the doctor, um, now you said it was half of a relief and you know, half scary was which one hit you first? Was it the relief portion or did you have to like kind of take a step back and kind of look outside of yourself to see the, the relief of it? Or was it the scary that hit you first? Oh, it was definitely, you know, it was definitely the scary that hit me first and almost a feeling of shame not that I was ashamed of myself, but ashamed of maybe how I looked at people who had a similar problem. Meaning that <clears throat> there were times maybe in my life, even though I was pretty young, still at that point, that I would look at somebody who maybe, uh, you know, maybe wasn't the most outgoing person or who you know, didn't want to be around people or who couldn't, you know, and I would say like, man, that person needs to like put their big boy pants on or that person needs to like grab their self by the bootstraps and, and get things done. <clears throat> because I kind of grew up around people that that was their mentality that come what may you just you get it done, you know, you, you fight through it, you do this and do that. Now, <clears throat> I still kind of feel that way. But I had more empathy for now people that maybe hadn't reached that point in their journey, so to speak. They weren't there yet. Maybe they didn't have the support like I had, you know, of a loving wife who was like, I got your back. We just got to work on it. 
you know, maybe they didn't have that person in their corner. And so I think at first I was kind of like, whoa, I hope I was never like a real a-hole to some people <laughs> and treat them like, like garbage when maybe they were dealing with a similar problem. Um, and I was unaware of it because <clears throat> it is one of those sicknesses that it is not visible to anybody right. else. And quite often appears that the person is maybe the life of the party. You know, again, we see more of that now when we think about people like Robin Williams or Anthony Bourdain or, um, you know, these people like this, that, okay, we see them on TV. They're funny. They're, they look like they're fun to be around. They look like, you know, they're wow, living it up. They've got it all. Here. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of, I mean, I was very much that way as a teenager. I mean, I played in bands, I DJed parties. I, you know, I would perform on stage in front of lots of people. And I, I had fun doing that. But then there was that other side to you that was like this very dark that, that no one ever saw. And so, I, you know, to, to first hear that, wait, that's you? It's like, oh man. But, but then, like I said, after that kind of sank in, then it kind of made sense. And I was of the opinion that like, well, then what, what do you do to deal with this? Because I'm not ready to like mail it in. Just didn't feel that way. <clears throat> okay. So did you feel like you were, so you mentioned that, you know, like, let me go back to this point. You mentioned that, that, you know, you were get up in public and you were doing all these things, but yet there was a dark side. So did, I've heard it said before that other people who are, are struggling with uh, some form of depression um, or other mental illnesses, they feel like there's two sides to them, that there's a, a public side or public persona where they, they could be the life of the party. They can go out and do all these things. They can be public and present and, and really have, uh, uh, you know, that public, uh, you know, output. But then once the, the light is off of them, it's like, a, it's, that's the low. So there's the high and the low. Mm -hmm. Would you say that there was two Jasons at that point? Because, you know, not that, oh. you know, not to say there was a For, personality or something along those lines. I'm saying, no, 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 it's very much, um, it's very much you're two different people. Very much so. Um, you know, bipolar, and, and again, as I've kind of educated myself about it for many years now, but it, it is, you, you are two very different, very different people. And there's the side that most people see or know. And then there's the side that you pretty much don't let anybody see or know. And I think, you know, I grew up in a, in a big family, there was six of us. And I think, you know, for my parents, you know, there was just so much going on all the time <laughs> that, that maybe you don't really see that. And it's not an indictment of them in any way, shape or form. It's just that there's just so much going on. Yeah. Multiple but then kids, you know how it is. It's something's right. Exactly. Know, something's always going on in the house. Right. And but I think, you know, for my wife to notice it, it's because now you're with someone else who you can't get away from, so to speak. Whereas 
when I was a single person or lived at home, you could go to your room, you could go do things on your own uh, apart from other people. And so when you were having maybe those bad times, you could hide that. But when you're married to somebody and you spend, you know, two thirds of your day with that person every single day, when you're not aside from maybe work, you know, it's, it's harder and harder to hide that. Um, and so, yeah, very much you're, you're two different people. And what I was helped to appreciate is there are parts of you, you, you know, cause initially I'm like, well, who's the real Jason? Is it the superhero guy? Or is it the guy that is doom and gloom and, and doesn't want to be a part of anything? Who, which one's the real me? And it was, I was helped to appreciate that there are parts of the real me in both of those people, but I have to bring them together to make a whole person. And when I do that, hopefully what I leave behind from those two is the parts I don't want. Right. Um, right. And bring the other to the fore. All right. So now you're at, you said you're about 23, 24. So what was the yeah. process moving forward from this point? Now you've, you've established that there's some issues that need to be attended to. Uh, Sounds mm -hmm. like you have a doctor who, who cares about you and, and uh, is willing to be a little, maybe even a little blunt with you. Um, yep. <laughs> and, and your wife uh, is willing to uh, lovingly point you in the right direction. So where does Jason go from this point forward uh, in his journey? Um, uh, the first thing I did more than anything was try to educate myself. Um, I kind of engrossed myself in researching everything I could learn about bipolar disorder and researching other people who had the same mental illness um, because I didn't I I recognized that it, it I couldn't do this on my own and that also I needed to know other people had been successful in dealing with it and see how they had been successful at dealing with it and so I, I really just wanted to know uh, more about it because I didn't just want to take a bunch of pills and just become like a zombie. I wanted to find who the real person was and, and help that person to grow. Um, and, and hopefully that still included the parts of me that I really liked, but then helped me to maybe subdue the parts of me that were holding me back. And it wasn't, it wasn't a fast um, thing by any means. And that's, that's what I think people need to understand is that, you know, it's not like, um, let's say, a, a broken bone where you go to the doctor and they set it and they say in six, you know, three months or six months, everything's going to be fine. It's no you have this problem and it's going to be with you forever. It's not going away. It's part of who you are. So you have to learn about it and accept it 
and learn to adapt to it and, and all these different things. And so that was, that was the big motivation at that point was to, I got to chart a course now, so to speak, um, that's going to take me in a positive direction. And that started with a lot of research. And another big key, I think, was cultivating some level of humility to recognize that um, I can't do this on my own. I need other people's help. And to get that help, they need to understand what I'm going through. And so I don't need to be ashamed to talk about it because somebody who's diabetic isn't ashamed that they have diabetes. They're not right. ashamed. Right. It, it's just part of who they are. And, and none of us look down on that person and say, Oh, how dare you be born with diabetes? How, how dare you? We don't even think about that. Right. And so right. I, I really wanted to not only be that person who looked at mental illness that way, and I, but I thought in order to help maybe other people, that meant me speaking out about it and not being ashamed of it. To be able to say, hey, you know, I'm nuts. Welcome to the party, man. It's crazy here. <laughs> but, but that's okay. You know, it's, it's, you know, we're going to get through it. So that, that, that was a big thing was kind of changing my own perspective on it and really knowing the truth about it and not accepting just maybe the stereotypes that I had learned from society, if you will, uh, growing up. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think, you know, growing up, uh, anytime we thought of anybody with depression or or uh, any type of instability or chemical imbalance or anything along those lines. And, you know, they were just labeled as crazy and you kind of left them alone or, you know, you, you said things about them and giggled as you walked away. And, you know, these, you know, that's the way it was in right. school. Uh, clearly that was a way to, to act or, or treat those people. Um, but, you know, being young and dumb, that's not an excuse either. But so let me ask you this as well. So you said that you, now this is in what, early to mid nineties at that point? Or that late 90s? Um, this would have been like early to mid 2000s. Early so, to mid 2000s. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yep. the internet is yep. definitely a thing at that point. Yes. So yep. um, I'm assuming that that's how you started doing some of your own research. And you said you were reaching out to others. So did you find uh, resources along you know, along your journey that helped you that that you still use today? Or are there? I, I did. I mean, there there were life stories of individuals that I found and read who had been successful in things. And that was an encouragement to me because it was like, wow, this person, you know, they didn't just like tread water in life or get by, they excelled. And it was like, oh, okay. Um, this doesn't have to just be like a, a ball and chain around my neck that I, that I drag around and just try to survive. I also, you know, would find a lot of, and this is something I find a lot of still today, um, is that just like these sayings or, I don't know if you want to call them proverbs or um, whatever, but things that just talk <clears throat> briefly about mental illness and basically kind of pat you on the back for, for dealing with it. Um, like okay. I tell people all the time that like, I literally go to war 
every day of my life inside my head. <laughs> and it's, you know, I, I started to see things like that, that that's how people looked at it. And it was like, but you know what? I'm going to war. I'm fighting. And the fact that people are willing to fight always makes, to me, in my book, makes you a winner. And, you know, it's, I love sports. I, I watch all that stuff. And, and I'm like, you can't win a baseball game in the bottom of the ninth when you're behind if nobody goes up to bat. It's impossible. Right, without effort, but you're not doing you anything. Least, right. But if you go down swinging, even if you f lose at that moment, you have developed this uh, stick to and this attitude that, but I, I tried, I tried, and one of these days I'm going to swing and I'm going to turn around a 95-mile-per-hour fastball, I'm going to hit a home run. And, you know, we, I remember somebody telling me um, during this process, because I did like sports and because I watched all these things, and I can't remember who it was, I wish I could, but that um, a baseball player, if he succeeds three out of ten times, is considered a superstar. Right. Three out of ten times. Right. If you if you could succeed four out of ten times, you'd be the greatest of all time. Correct. That means failing more than half the time, way more than half the time. But we would consider that person, you know, a superstar, and and it's that way in almost all of sports. You know, what what quarterback completes more than fifty percent of their passes on a regular basis doesn't happen very much, right? And so. But we champion these people because at the end of the day, they're judged not by necessarily that, but by wins or losses. Correct. Did you win or did you lose? And so I had to start even kind of looking at myself that way, like, well, I could swing and miss on a lot of things maybe throughout the day. But if I got through the day, that goes in the win column. And so <clears> – <throat> You know, again, a lot of it was just, man, trying to change perspective. And, um, and once, again, like you mentioned, the internet being around. And, and that probably has helped because before that, it was maybe harder just to, to find these things or connect with organizations or people or, you know, that were publishing this maybe positive information about it, that now it was becoming more readily available. And you didn't feel like you were alone. It was like, oh, there are, there are these other people, they're being successful, and um, I can do that too. Okay. Yeah, so that, that was a good thing then. Now, here's something that I, I, I thought about when, when I was thinking about you coming on the, the show and, and the topic of this. And now, I know that for myself, I, you know, I, I struggle with anxiety from time to time. Uh, mm -hmm. especially over the last couple of years, it's been a, a strong sure. fight. Um, and so, you know, we've tried a couple different medications. Now, clearly I'm not, I'm not asking you to, to get out a laundry list of, of medications right. or say, this is what your dosages are, nothing along those lines. Right. But now for some people, um, they hit the home run right out of the box and right. the, the doctor gives them the medicine, everything's fine. 
not, a, not that everything's right. fine, but everything's, you know, much better. There's, there's improvements. And for sure. some people, uh, it's finding the right chemical balance. So for you, was it an issue of we of trial and error? Or was it more of the direct route where I found this medication to help me paired with these uh, cognitive behavior therapies? Um, the first uh, medication that I took helped my mental uh, situation tremendously, but it affected my physical body in ways that I didn't want. Um, so I took it for probably several years, actually. But I went from weighing about a, I'm about 6'1", and I went from weighing about 180 pounds to about 260 pounds. So just a couple pound gain. Um, yeah. And so while mentally I was starting to, to feel better, um, in fact, I, it was, I mean, within a very short period of time that I, after that, that I was able to, uh, like, get a job that I really enjoyed, I was really good at, I wasn't having these issues like I was before, like with, with other people I worked with. Um, I was wanting to go to work every day. Like I was very successful in that, but I experienced some of these physical things that I didn't want to experience. Um, so I remember going to my, my doctor after a few years saying like, Hey, you know, this is good mentally, but physically it's affecting me in a way that I don't want it to. Um, not only the weight gain, but I had kind of lost some of, um, the wanting to do things in a physical way. Like I, I grew up like playing sports and liking to do things like that. And now I was like, didn't even like, feel like I had the energy to do some of those things. Right. And so, you know, there was some adjusting in there and, and learning, you know, but I, I wasn't, I didn't get too disappointed because I, I had kind of prepped myself and my doctor had done a good job of prepping me again, that this, this wasn't going to be like an overnight fix. It was going to take some time. Um, so yeah, there was definitely, uh, some adjustments that were made multiple times, uh, to like medications and all those kind of things. Okay. So how does your struggle with depression and bipolar affect you today? Now we're, we've moved on a few years. We've, you right. had years to, to kind of reflect on these things. You've had some, some learning moments along the way. How does it affect you today? Um, you know, I, again, it's, I've always tried to embrace that it's, it's part of who I am. And I tried to harness it in, in, you know, this sounds hokey, but I tried to harness the power and use it for something good. It's, it's, it's as dumb <laughs> as that sounds. Um, and 
it wasn't, I mean, it's probably, it's probably been about, I don't know, maybe 13 to 14 years now that I've run my own business, which never would have been a, a thing before. Cause I just wouldn't have had the stick to to do it. Right. But I've done it now for many years and a lot of, I think I've even had uh, customers who have said this to me. They're like, you're good at what you do because of your mental illness, because you are so, you, you, you use it to make you so driven. And it, you know, it's like, instead of when I'm on those, that swing of that pendulum that makes me want to go, go, go. Instead of getting in a car and just driving somewhere, I try to use that to like be more productive at work. Okay. And what I do. Um, and so to some extent, I feel like it's been a benefit to me in, in, in that sense um, that I could use it for something positive. The negative side of it is still there. Um, I just don't think it's as extreme as it used to. And that's not to say that there's, there's still really bad days because there are, there are really bad days. Um, there, but it doesn't have to get as bad as it did before. And what I mean by that is when it would get really bad for me when I was younger, I might lock myself in a room for days. Okay. Um, and just literally not function. That was part of why I couldn't hold down a job. I couldn't, you know, and now there are times when people who know me well, um, and who I have been very open with about my issues will even say to me, it's not a good time for you right now, is it? And I'll say, it's not but I'm still here. And that's kind of the end of it. Um, and it's, I just don't want to let it consume uh, me anymore because I feel like when you do that you're giving in and let letting someone else control who you are. And I just, I don't want that to happen because I want to feel at the end of the day or the end of the week or the end of the month, year, whatever it is, regardless of whatever crap gets thrown your way and for everybody it's different, but I want to be able to say, well, at least I was the one that took control, did what I had to do. And again, doesn't mean I was successful every single time, but I did what I thought was right and, and I made the decisions and it, whatever we're experiencing now, or I'm experiencing now, that's on me. And, and I'm okay with that. Um, I don't ever want it to be like, well, if that person didn't do this or if that person didn't do that, or it's like, no, what, what I'm conceding then is that I'm not in control. Okay. And I, I don't want to concede that. I don't want to concede that I'm not in control. Um, I should have the ability to be in control. And I don't want to use the, the mental illness as a crutch to say, well, well, because I'm mentally ill, 
you know, I can't do this or I can't do that. No, there's people that are uh, playing basketball at an Olympic level with no legs. There's people, it's right. like, it, right. if, if they can do that, then, then I can have a talk with uh, Jason Rogers in herself and say, no, I'm, I'm the one that's in control, not, uh, not something else. Right. So not going to let this other thing define who and what you are. You define right. it. Okay. Excellent. So let me ask you another question. Now, this is typically something I ask of every one of my guests. And, and I preface it this way, not to confine your experience to one sentence or one thing, but if you look over the entirety of your experience, what would you say is your learning moment, that one shining star out of all of this? Um, probably, I, I guess I would say that, um, that mental illness is part of who I am, but it isn't who I am. If, if that makes sense. No, it completely does. Um, you know, that... It, it is in me and it does create maybe my personality or, or things about me, but that's not all I am. And to other people that, that deal with this problem, I would say the same thing to them. Um, sadly, I've run into a lot of people over the years who who because i'm so open about it will talk about mental illness and sadly the vast majority have kind of succumbed to that and just said well that's what i am i'm i'm bipolar or i'm manic depressive or i am schizophrenic and i just that's it there's nothing i can do about it and Sadly, it's even affected like people in my family. Mm -hmm. And you would think that like, okay, because we both deal with this problem, I should be able to relate to you. I should be, I can relate to you, but what I'm trying to, to, to tell those people is that while again, while I empathize with that problem, I do, it's, it's horrible. It's not fun to go back and forth every day from one day you love yourself to one day you hate yourself to one day you don't know who you are. That's, it's, it's exhausting. But you are the one who ultimately has the ability to say the buck stops here. And that doesn't, and again, it doesn't mean you can necessarily do it on your own you might have to say, I need the buck to stop here. And I need somebody to help me stop the buck here. Right. And, and that's going to a medical professional, a family member, a friend and saying, I need help with this because I want, even though this is part of me, I don't want it to define me. And it's a choice. Um, you didn't choose to have the mental illness, but it's your choice 
as to how you allow it to affect you. How you handle it, how you respond to it. Right. Right. Okay. All right. So this is definitely something that affects your, your everyday. That, that much is clear. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I can think of, uh, you know, I've known you for years. I've known you, I think, very well for the last few years. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You've known some of the worst years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, Jay. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I can honestly say that I think with, in your situation, I have never said, when, when you talk about Jason Rogers, depression or bipolar is not the first thing I ever think about. When somebody talks about you, honestly, the first thing I think about is, oh, yeah, Jason, he likes Jeeps. <laughs> so Yeah, that's good. So, you know, but to me, I, I think that's, that's a very empowering thing that the fact that, that you have owned this to such a degree that it's mm-hmm. not just, you know, you're, it's not that you're pushing it away and it's not that you're, you're denying it or its power in your life. I think that there's a, a strength there when you can say, this is who I am. It's not what I am. Mm-hmm. But this is part of who I am. Uh, and so uh, I think that's very cool uh, that you're able to do that. Um, I was just looking back through my notes. There was a question I wanted to ask you based on, oh, yeah. So you talked about, and just you know, real quick here. Um, now, in some of the reading I have done for, for my own anxiety issues and things along those lines, sure. really anxiety and depression are, are very separate issues. Um, but one of the things that, that when I went to counseling, they talked about was the need for balance. And you talked about how mm-hmm. when your, your doctor talked to you originally about your situation, that you're, that you, that you were out of balance. So how does balance affect you today? Because there has to be a balance in all that you do. There does. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I think a lot of it is, again, having some people around you that will speak very plainly and tell you when you're severely out of balance. <laughs> okay. um, because again, our perception, even, you know, even after we've maybe tried to, to move forward and take positive strides and things like that, sometimes we can start to, to break our own arm, patting ourselves on the back for how good we're doing. Um, and my kids, the kids don't, when they're, when, especially when they're younger, they don't lie. They call you, they call it how they see it. And I had my, one of my kids come home from school one day, they, they probably were in elementary school and they were learning about the human body and how stress affects the human body. And one of the little facts or something that they had to memorize for like a test was when you are negative, overly negative, like you, you say something negative or you get down on yourself or when you, any of those things, it shaves like 1.2 seconds off of your life. And my daughter who was reciting this turned to me dead serious and says, dad, if that's true, you should already be dead. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm like, really? I'm that negative? And, and we all kind of laughed about it. And I was like, okay, there's still a lot of work to do because I'm not a glass half empty. I'm a, I'm, I'm a glass never was <laughs> right. um, kind of guy. And it was like, okay, I have to work at that. And so one thing I have tried to do and um, whether it's every day, sometimes it doesn't happen every day because you just get so busy. Um, but every you know week or something, sit down and do something that brings you basically nothing but happiness. And for every person that is that is different. Um, for me, it's a few different things. I I have a pond in my backyard because if I can look at my koi fish swimming, it relaxes me. Um, I like to play music. If I can sit down and play a song or something, there, there is nothing negative that ever comes from that for me. And for somebody else, it's something different. It's, it's, you know, it's hiking or it's, you know, you know, going to the beach or it's, you know, playing a sport or, you know, I, I like to, you mentioned, you know, when I think of Jason, I think of Jeeps. I do. I like going for rides in my Jeep. So there's, there's different things that I can do. And that helps me to make sure the teeter totter isn't always like bottomed out because right. left, left, left to myself, I, I will become that person who is the glass isn't half empty. The glass is gone. I, that's what naturally will happen. And so you, you, each person has to find that thing or things um, and make time for them, buy out time for them in order to pile something on the positive side of the teeter-totter to level it out. Um, and that can be hard sometimes because it naturally wants to go the other way. Um, okay. So it is a little bit of a fight, a little bit of a battle. But again, that's where being honest about it, not only with yourself, but with other people is, is so rewarding and so beneficial because then at times, again, I, over the years, I have said this to my wife, like, I just got to go for a ride. And she knows it's not that I'm trying to abandon anybody, not that I'm trying to um, check out. No, mm -hmm. I'm actually doing that for them. Not that you're trying because, to go to Virginia Beach. <laughs> no, no, I'm not doing that. But I might have to go to Pier Marquette Beach, you know, sure. just to get my mind right. And so that's actually something positive even for them, for me to do that. And, and when people understand that, then all of a sudden now your relationships are so much better too because people understand. I mean, years ago, my... My wife was talking to somebody and they brought up how um, they were having this discussion about something about that, what I did or didn't do or whatever. And uh, my wife, Dawn, says to this person, they're like, well, she says, Jason is bipolar. And, and the lady says, snaps her fingers and she says, 
now it makes sense. And she wasn't mad. She wasn't upset. But at but it, that moment, clicked for she understood. Right. And so that was even, that even more reaffirmed it in my mind that you want to keep that balance. You want to all, then, then people got to know the fight that you're fighting. So they have some level of understanding. Right. Okay. All right. So yeah. So taking away the stigma that's attached to it, making it a non-taboo item. Excellent. All right. So any parting advice for our listeners who, who are dealing with, or, or you know, with uh, depression, who are dealing with bipolar, any other form of mental illness, really? What I would say to you is that, number one, it's okay. Okay, it, it, it's, it's not wrong, you know, you're not a screw up, whatever. However, that, that, with that in mind, you are in control. And how this story ends is how you write the ending of the story. It is, it, it do not succumb to a label and say, well, I am this or I am that. I don't have any control. Don't accept that. If someone tells you that, they're a liar. If someone says, because you have this illness, you're always going to be blah, blah, blah. That's horrible advice. And not to say that you maybe need to cut those people out of your life, but maybe they need to be educated sure. um, about, about this problem. And, and surround yourself with people not who love you unconditionally. Because sometimes that can be an enabler for someone to say always, oh, poor you, you're dealing with this. Oh, poor you, you're dealing with that. They may think that that's love, but they can sometimes be doing you more harm. You want someone who loves you, cares about you, but also pushes you to be better. Um, almost like a coach, like a good coach. And you'll hear that from a lot of sports people that, you know, a, a good coach, yeah, they were their friend, they were this, they were that. But they also called them out when they were dogging it. Right. And you need people in your life that will call you out when you're dogging it. And um, so don't, don't just cut, be so quick to cut those people out because all of a sudden they're calling you out, but maybe they need a little education. Maybe they need to be helped to be understand what the problem is, but you need those people around. So there, there's nothing wrong with you. You can succeed, take control and have people that are going to push you to do those first three things. Excellent. Well, Jason, really appreciate you coming on today, talking with us, sharing how you became focused on moving forward. Uh, every situation uh, in life is, is different, and everyone has uh, a different way that they move forward. But I think one of the common threads that, that we see in, in each uh, scenario that we talk with, with people and about is, is that there has to be what we call the light bulb moment where people kind of recognize that, hey, I have to do this, or hey, I have to do this or that to kind of take control of things. And clearly you had that and, and you uh, 
began your journey on focusing on forward. So thank you very much for being our guest today. We really enjoyed uh, you being here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. All right. That will conclude this episode of Focused on Forward. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcastfof, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.